This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Microsoft to acquire storage startup. And Foxconn builds six petaflop supercomputer. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. And we've got the year started off quick with some fast news. We've already got an acquisition that actually got announced at the end of last year, but now we're talking about it in our first podcast this year. Microsoft has announced its intention to buy Avere Systems. Right. Avere Systems is a storage startup, Flash-based storage system with some proprietary software optimizations layered on top of that. And the idea is to accelerate uh, large-scale applications, performance-demanding applications that are running in data centers. Yeah, this is something that we've heard a lot about as Flash has become a more dominant part of high-performance storage architectures. The idea that you need a software architecture that goes along with it, with a flash operating system or a flash file system. That's been the space that Avere has been focused on. Uh, this is now not quite a 10-year-old company. They were founded in uh, 2008. They've uh, they've had some other funding. They sell hardware solutions and, and flash appliances as well. But the, the real differentiation here is with their flash operating system and, and file system. And what this acquisition will do will will be to essentially move all of that technology into Azure Cloud and become part of the Microsoft Azure differentiation. Right, and, and obviously Microsoft saw enough of that differentiation in their offerings to, to buy it. I mean, there's different companies that are using different sorts of uh, flash systems doing different types of optimizations, but uh, this one had pretty good traction. It collected almost $100 million in funding through its... Uh, elongated startup, and it, it also collected a, a few marquee customers like the Library of Congress, John Hopkins University, uh, Sony Pictures, and a few others. Uh, it seemed to be doing well, and especially seemed to be doing well in the cloud storage arena where they've, they've emphasized, uh, and, and where storage is, is somewhat of a challenge because of the various layers of software that get stuck in there. So um, they seem to have found their niche, and Microsoft obviously with Azure, uh, was interested in a company like this. Uh, they, they're trying to differentiate themselves from other companies like Amazon and Google, of course, and this looked like a good buy for them. So they, uh, they decided to purchase the whole thing. Yeah, the interesting thing here to me is this continuation of a trend where you have a, a company that we track as an HPC provider, and in this case, a provider of both hardware and software. They had software-only solutions, but I, I, my sense of Avere's business was they mostly provided it on top of hardware appliances that they also sold. And then that gets snapped up in its entirety by a hyperscale provider uh, that's increasingly looked to differentiate itself around performance. The first example I can think of with that goes back to 
uh, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, when Google acquired a company called Peakstream that we'd been tracking as a stream processing company. Uh, and then we sort of never heard from them again. Google presumably did something with that technology internal for their own business, uh, but it was no longer supplying to the HPC space. Now Microsoft has, has done a, a succession of acquisitions. The most recent big one that we talked about was with Cycle Computing. And they've really got a lot of momentum now with Azure. They're the second biggest uh, company for HPC applications in cloud. Uh, and that's before you even get into a lot of the uh, the machine learning, deep learning, AI kinds of areas. They're, they're really a very fast-growing uh, uh, competitor here. Yeah, and I think Microsoft, especially out of all the, uh, the large public cloud providers, has, has been one to focus on sort of the performance-demanding customers. They... I think they've done this from the beginning of Azure, but the, this recent activity buying up Cycle and now uh, Avere, I, I think, points to a, you know, a pretty, pretty clear strategy that they're interested in these these large customers who have these uh, scale-out workloads um, uh, that also need a lot of performance. So they're buying up uh, strategically in certain areas that they don't have the software expertise or development uh, to fill in some of these gaps. So I. I have a feeling, you know, this this is a is one of those buys, and it's probably not the last one we'll see from from Microsoft or Azure. Well, and it also might cast more attention onto other companies that are in a similar space. Now, this whole idea of storage solutions for Flash software that are native there is such a nascent space that it's hard to say any of these companies are equivalent. But we can look at companies that are at least cohorts in the same area, like, say, Weka.io or Elastifile, that also focus on uh, software solutions to optimize your flash-based storage. And I wonder if we won't get more attention onto those companies based on Microsoft's acquisition of Avere. Yeah, certainly if they've got I think the type of, of software IP that I think Microsoft is seeing here, I think those could be candidates as well. I mean, I don't think any of these cloud providers would just buy a straight-out hardware company and, and you know, just to buy the appliances. They can do that externally, but to to have the the software IP in house, I think, uh, is 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 uh, advantageous in that they can do much closer integration with their cloud uh, layers as well and get uh, added uh, value out of that. Okay, so Microsoft's acquisition of Avere, one big story. Also, this week in HPC, we're talking about another announcement that came up. At uh, the end of last year, which is an announcement by Foxconn, where they've unveiled a new six petaflop supercomputer that's the largest in Taiwan. Yeah, uh, pretty surprising uh, announcement here. I mean, Foxconn obviously is known for assembling consumer products, especially like iPhone and iPad. Um, we know it's uh, done some server work for, as an ODM for different companies, HP, I think, being the most recent a few years ago. But this is the first time it's actually built a whole system, and in this case, a supercomputer that's six petaflops for a Taiwan technology park. They didn't mention anything about what the architecture or componentry was about in this system, but they did, they did mention it was going to be a six petaflop system, and they also mentioned the application set that they're going to be going after. Yeah, you point out in your article on top500.org that Foxconn is a huge company. It's a $131 billion 
company as of 2016. We don't have 2017 numbers on them yet. And they've been a, a dominant ODM provider for the hyperscale market. You pointed out they have done partnerships uh, such as with HP uh, in 2013 to provide to that service provider space. But you know to really see them uh, put together at their own supercomputer here is, is something we haven't seen before. Now, what's missing to me here is is not just what the architecture is, but who owns it? I'm trying to look between the lines and, and see who actually bought this. And from my reading of it, I think what it looks like is that they haven't actually sold this to anybody. I think Foxconn still owns this system. They've unveiled it. They've opened it, and they're essentially leasing it to a lot of different companies or organizations in Taiwan. Now, that's conjecture on my space, but uh, uh, you know, looking at, at what did get announced and covered, I, I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable speculation. They certainly didn't give a price for this, and you know, it's also interesting to note that this will be sort of a, a cloud resource in a sense. They're going to, even though it's going to be installed at a particular technology park, they're they're going to use optical fiber to connect it to end users. In this case, they're using Asia Pacific Telecom, which also happens to be a subsidiary of Foxconn, uh, to use that as the, as the network to serve uh, users throughout the country. So, yeah, Foxconn is definitely deeply involved in this. In, different ways and even in the distribution of, of how this computing will be used. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Foxconn was, uh, had some financial interest in this other than just uh, have, have built the computer itself. Well, and if that is the case, that, that they're essentially planning to make the money by leasing this computer out, I think in the long term, that's a tough business model. We've seen people try this over time in the past, and it hasn't succeeded yet. Um, now, Foxconn might have a different cost model. Maybe they've got some long-term contracts already wrapped up. And it could be that AI uh, is is really the thing that tips it over to where enough people want to do AI for a short amount of time uh, that it does make it a profitable business model, at least for some amount of time. But uh, just the idea of if we build it, they will come has been a difficult philosophy over time. So I, I'm looking for some more detail here about exactly who's going to be using it for what and, and who owns it. Also, as you pointed out, we don't know anything about the architecture of this. And if it's if it's if it's a cluster that doesn't have any kind of performance differentiation, the problem is that you're looking at just computing by the pound, and I don't know who that serves the best. But if you layer in actual differentiation, you have the opposite problem of now you're trying to assign different workloads to different architectures, which makes it harder to uh, balance the overall supply and demand for the capacity of a cloud-based system. So it's kind of uh, which vial do you want to drink from? It, it becomes a, a difficult business philosophy in this current architectural environment. Yeah, certainly that's been a challenge in the U.S. and, and, and Europe. Now, this is going to be just for Taiwan, on my understanding. And they did mention the applications that they're going after. They talked about sports data analysis, uh, animation, talked a lot about the healthcare industry, medical applications, but they also talked about communications, industrial production, environmental engineering. And when you think of Taiwan, you can also think of a fairly built-out semiconductor industry. So they might be selling, thinking of selling some of this HPC capacity to those semiconductor companies uh, to do various types of simulations. But 
they didn't really go into that in any of the uh, any of the information that was released. So that again, that's pure conjecture on my part. We usually do a pair of stories, but let's get in one other quick one since we we didn't cover it over the holidays. Also, this week in HPC, actually a previous week in HPC, we didn't previously report on the fact that LRZ has uh, announced its plans to upgrade its SuperMux supercomputer to 26.7 petaflops. That's pretty noteworthy. I wanted to make sure we got that in here. Yeah, it's a very large system, and obviously it eclipses the other SuperMux that uh, they've built there, and that's going to be a could use the latest uh, Xeon Platinum uh, processors, and they're going to use Omnipath as well. So it's going to be an all Intel system, uh, I think, once again. Yeah, those are really noteworthy. Looking at these, you know, Lenovo's got a few of these uh, big all Intel technology systems, and those are worth looking at because I think most specifically about Omnipath is, is we have to get this interconnect up into the uh, not just tens of petaflops, but eventually looking at it into hundreds of petaflops and maybe as an exascale interconnect. I want to look at how Omnipath does on these large-scale supers, and uh, and I think this is going to be a really noteworthy installation for that. Yeah, it will, especially considering it's such a big system and it's only using, you know, basically vanilla CPUs. There's no GPUs in here, and there's no Xeon Phi's obviously in here. So it's a, it's a, it's a multi-petaflop system just with CPUs. So it's a bit of a, a milestone in that sense. We're off to a fast year. Is this what 2018 is going to be like? I think so. I think it's going to be <laughs> a pretty exciting year. There's a lot uh, that was previewed in 2017. I think we're going to see some of those things really play out here in a very interesting way in the coming year. All right, Michael, you've got good coverage up on top500.org. And our listeners, you can keep coming back here. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.